This is Mr. Impact Wrestling himself, Moose, and you're listening to the Irish Whip. Hookers? Hookers and Coke? Hookers and Coke, man. You're the only pro wrestler I know that wants to do the shit in the morning. Yeti, you're a f***ing moron. Put it this way, I think Sammy Callahan might as well just change his name to Invader I want to know why. Like, he can dodge any question. Like, I'll tell anyone that. You can tell me the f***, but I, I'm going to ask specific questions. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. WrestlingNewsSource.com For all the rest of you yahoos are out there dilly-dilly you little wankers, we're actually receiving real wrestling news. This is Brett screwed Brett. I'm Who are you to, to, to doubt El Dandy? Because this guy's a serious professional. Brett screwed Brett. Hold two arm bar. Hey, get a nice shot of the brand new Mr. and Mrs. Hunter Hearst Helmsley. I hate you. I hate you. I hate your hat. I hate your t-shirts. I hate your wristbands. I hate your shoes. I hate your music. I hate the C-Nation. I hate everything that you stand for. So does rule. Yeah, they do. <laughs> hey, what's up, T.I.W. Mafia? It's the Yeti. I'm here with JP and Limitless Wrestling's Randy Carver. The dude at the age of 21 that built a top promotion in New England, barely fucking old enough to drink beer right now. He's had Chris Hero, uh, a.k.a. Cassie Shono, for you guys that don't know, and Will Spray in a main, well, Osprey, I'm sorry, in a main event in just his third show. Um, he went from ring crew, announcer, to promotion owner. Um, dude, Randy fucking Carver, the new Paulie Dangerously. How are you, man? <laughs> I'm doing good. I do have to correct you, though. It was Chris Hero yes, and is... Jr. at that show. Okay. So, that, dude, that's why, I, I, that's why we do this stuff, because I'm, I'm always ill-informed. So it was Chris Hero, a.k.a. Cassius Sono, versus Will. Oh, sorry. Zach Sabre Jr. Yeah, 100%. Okay. The, the reason we fuck shit up, and that's okay. And yeah. we just. It, it, we rely on the internet, and people that control the internet aren't always on top of it. No, I feel that for sure. I see false shit all the time. <laughs> What's the craziest thing you've seen about yourself or one of your promotions? Uh, I don't, I don't see a ton about myself, but sometimes they'll be like, if we drop a match announcement, they'll just like, it'll get reposted and it'll totally say the wrong thing or the wrong names on it, which is always comical when the match graphic says something different that they post with it. So that happens often. And then uh, occasionally I get worried. I'll get like, uh, cause I always forget that people make like fan accounts of different wrestlers. So oh, yeah. you have fat, like, just so you know, you have fan accounts. accounts. You have fan accounts just so you know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You, you, you should, I'll teach you how to get verified. Cause I've tried to do that, but nobody has actually tried to mimic us yet. So um, <laughs> we have a difficult problem doing that. <laughs> yeah. JP, you, no. I know. Let's get into ridiculousness, man. Let's just talk yeah. about it. Just do it. So that was this. You were just on. Well, you're not you, but your promotion was just on ridiculousness for what I think was probably one of the most special moments in pro wrestling. It was, with it the was steel one of cage. the most uh, important moments in Limitless history, I would say. And it's, it's actually it's pretty wild. It's the second time this year that Ace Romero has been on ridiculousness or something crazy. That's... Uh, but yeah, we had. Uh, that clip of the Vacation Land Cup from 2018 with the steel cage falling down on Anthony Green and Ace Romero kind of went viral. And uh, 
all of a sudden ridiculousness had popped up there. And that was, that was really cool to see, but obviously like a terrifying moment as it happened, but uh, looking back on it, a lot of people hold it in high regard. I, I I do because it, it just, it shows like pro wrestling is a family. We are just family, no matter what you do or say. And it was just like JP said, it's one of those things you that like the fans are like, fuck this, this, this show's going on and we're going to hold this shit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And they, I mean, there were a couple hundred fans at ringside literally holding the cage together, letting that main event happen, which is pretty special. And that ridiculousness didn't get that. They got the cage fallen and try, you try to kill Ref Quinn, I think. But they didn't <laughs> yeah, catch Kevin He is getting old, so please don't make him run like that. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to endanger Kevin Quinn at all. <laughs> I love Kevin Quinn, but yeah, he was in the line of fire that night. That's, but So they didn't show the end to that, which I think is the most ridiculous part of it. And that was that the fans got out of their seats and actually held the cage up for you. Uh, for, yeah, and that was, uh, they actually did share that on the Botchamania clip that they put in when, when it was featured on there, which I thought was really cool. That's, no. I, I got it. Go, JP. This, we're all, you, we're gonna, you and I are going to fight over questions. That's what's going to happen. How do you find out you're, <laughs> you're going to be on, oh, that Ridiculousness is going to use a clip from your show? How do you find that out? Uh, so I got a call, and it was, it was kind of funny because I had, just previously, like probably five minutes before they called, uh, I had got a spam call from a number that was, you know, from some West Coast state. And then all of a sudden I get another one that comes in from California. So uh, I'm always someone who answers my phone, even if I do think it could be a spam call. Cause it's just, I don't know who's calling me ever. So uh, I answered and, uh, you know, kind of shit a brick when they said, hey, this is whoever from Ridiculousness. Uh, we wanted to get in touch with you about this clip that we have from your promotion. We wanted to just get clearance if we could use it. And then uh, they went into all the details from there. And they had actually had a fan clip that uh, one of our fans, Jason Worthing, had took. And that's the one that went viral on Twitter because uh, we didn't end up posting a clip for a while. So we actually sent them the like hard cam footage of that happening. And that's what got featured on the show. That's, that is pretty damn cool. That, yeah, no. it, was wild. It, was, it was very surprising. Was the other, was the other, was Ace Romero both times he was on, was that both with your promotions? That was not. Uh, the first one okay. was the big pounce that was on. It was on like Sports Center, Sports Nation, yeah. so many pages. That was from uh, ESW in New York, and he was wrestling Anthony Gaines. Oh, for some reason, I thought that was Maine, too. Okay. No, I think, I, think, I think everyone thought so because Ace Romero is from Maine, but no, that was from uh, the Buffalo, New York region, I believe. Now, have you seen any since being on Ridiculousness? Has there been any bump in like your followers and stuff? Uh, there have been a few people who on I've seen a couple YouTube comments on some Ace Romero matches that some people had uh, checked in to see like more Ace Romero stuff from Ridiculousness, but I don't think a ton of bump from it just because uh, I think unless you knew that it was the Limitless Wrestling logo because they did kind of try to blur it out in the uh, in the show, but. Uh, I don't think we got a huge bump from it. I think it popped a lot of our uh, our fan base who did not expect That's, to see that on Ridiculousness right. because obviously we we didn't know when it was airing either. So, including like Anthony Green who posted on Twitter that he was pretty surprised about it. Yeah, yeah, him and Ace both knew about it, but it's um, this is kind of one of those deals where they hit us up and uh, they didn't know for sure if it was going to be used on the show when they got in contact with us. They just wanted to get the clearance. 
and uh, it did end up getting on the show. And then I, I knew in April that it would be aired, but uh, they they had no idea what episode it was going to be a part of. That's that is awesome. That's such a cool piece. Like that's a just a cool piece of like New England wrestling history because the fans in New England are they they're different than anywhere else. I mean, I you agree. got guys, I know that for a fact, you got guys that drive up to Maine, a two-hour drive from Boston for every one of your shows if they can. Yeah, we've you got, uh, it's it's pretty wild, the fan base that we have built. Um, we've got people who drive, you know, six or seven hours from Canada to come to these shows, like Nova Scotia area. Um, there's people who come from the southern New England, New York now. Uh, there was a huge uh, New York presence at our last show for Kevin Blackwood's in-ring return, so... Uh, just very cool to see the support coming from all areas, and especially for this upcoming show, Know Your Enemy, on September 6th. Uh, I think we've sent tickets to every state in New England, and I think 11 states total, which is the that's, most we've ever sent to for one show. So it's pretty amazing. And that's just your pre-sale. Yeah, and that's just that's... pre-sale. So who knows? You know, we we actually you know had a team go out today, and we we posted the Portland area for about 10 hours just to. Just to hopefully get the word out there because this is, you know we're taking a major step with uh, venue sizes here that we've never done before. So we really want to try to reach out to anybody and everybody. That's you, I guess JP. I'm gonna. That's the big yeah. thing for me is because you, like literally, I correct me if I'm wrong, but like Lagrange is population 1,000, correct? Yeah, or yeah, a little less. Yeah, it's a pretty small place. What uh, dude? I came from a small town. Same thing. Growing up, you're. People always judge success, not necessarily on um, accomplishments and what you can do. They look at age and what they think somebody should be able to do based on their age and wisdom and knowledge. I disagree with that 100% because you, man, are a young, wise wrestling owner of a promotion that's rocking New England. How, like, when did this, when did, I know the, the senior in high school, the story about saving money, but like literally, when did, when did you decide, like, I'm doing this, like, I'm going to do this? Um, it was, it was just an accumulation of just frustrations with local wrestling when I was, because I was, I was very fortunate. I was like 15 and uh, had a local company called IWE. Uh, they had, they, you know, kind of opened the door for me and let me, you know, start ring announcing and just got my foot in the door of doing anything in the professional wrestling business. So, um, it was just an accumulation of a couple, being a couple years in and, uh, you know, seeing how wrestling could be presented. Like I, I was a big ring of honor fan growing up. So I, I knew that there was good wrestling out there. And then, uh, you know, I'd see companies that come around like a, like a big time wrestling or, uh, Chikara every now and then came to Maine or Beyond Wrestling or CZW or anything of that nature that was in the Northeast where it was being done, you know, professional wrestling was being done differently than it had been in years past and very good. And Maine just wasn't that way. And uh, I just, I, I really got fed up of what the culture of Maine wrestling was and the type of wrestling that was being presented here. And you know, I wasn't alone in this. Like, there was uh, Ace Romero was on these same shows, and Danger Kid, Aiden Agro, Alexander Lee, the mainstay posse. So uh, it was a group of us who really just were kind of sick how shit was going, to be honest, and just wanted to kind of do something different, at least take a stab at it. And then uh, it was late 2014, I think in November, 
uh, is when uh, I finally had some conversations with people and started deciding to get the ball rolling. When you, and if you can't say, like when you say you decided to have a conversation and we dig dude, when you say you decided to have a conversation with people, can you talk about who those people were and how they influenced you to decide to do this? Or is that something that's fourth wall stuff you want to keep behind? No, for sure. I mean, it was a lot of the people I just mentioned, like uh, Romero, the Maine State Posse, um, top shelf Troy Nelson, Xavier Bell, uh, a lot of people who were very important in that first year of Limitless Wrestling who were uh, kind of the core roster guys as we started to begin, you know, trying to do this. Uh, Scott Wilde as well. But uh, I don't know, it was a lot of just figuring out logistics of, you know, how, how can we do this? Where can we do it? Uh, can we build a fan base on, you know, a type of wrestling that has really never been presented in the state of Maine. So it was a lot of conversations with that, you know, internal crew or roster, I should say. And, uh, we really did a lot of the footwork and then, uh, we had like referee Eric Greenleaf, uh, our sound tech, Ethan Scratchfield. Like there was a lot of us who were, you know, locally just trying to do as much as we could get as many posters out spread the word, uh, and just do whatever we could to make this a success or just at least not fall on our faces. No. Were you told, I can only assume, because I've watched some of the younger promoters in the, in the Massachusetts area, they told you it'll never work, you're going to lose your shirt. And oh, yeah. They, of course, were they yeah, naysayers to you? And what kept that's you all going? Like, what kept you going? I've never heard, I, I will say, like, I'm around the New England scene, not as much as I was like five or six years ago, but I'm around it still. Never heard a negative word said about you. That's, that's good to hear. Uh, now we just, uh, I don't know. It, it's always been a constant motivation to just do better. And uh, for us to, us to do better on what we've previously done and for us to just kind of change the culture, or the, the perceived notion of what professional wrestling is locally, because there's still like tons of people who are new limitless fans who come to shows who I get introduced to at these events and, I get to hear kind of their, their war stories, I should say, like about main wrestling before. And there are just so many shitty promoters around here who would uh, falsely promote events or bait and switch big talent or, uh, you know, just kind of fuck, you know, whatever they were doing. The result was the fans getting fucked over. And that's just kind of how it went for a number of years in the state. So it turned a lot of people off, not only to professional wrestling, but especially to independent wrestling, really anything that wasn't a big name come to town, nobody wanted to take a chance on. So uh, it's been that gradual build of kind of earning people's trust and uh, just trying to keep it going. But I mean, throughout that whole thing, because you get those, you know, those same shitty promoters and people who were salty about not getting booked are, you know, going online and trashing us, even though uh, what's most important always was the fans enjoying themselves. And really from the start, they did. I mean, we, we did have some tough, uh, some tough draws, you know, early, early on. I mean, we had some shows that we didn't really, uh, they didn't break the bank, but we did not make money. So I'll put it that way. So uh, we you, took some hits, especially in year one. What did you do to adapt to change that to sort of like evolve from the shows where you weren't drawing to the shows where like you you put on some pretty big houses? Yeah, and it's 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 a lot of just a feeling out process, especially in Orono, like throughout that first year and a half that we were there, uh, trying to figure out like what's going to work if we're because. You know, throughout that first year, we weren't really getting a ton of out of the Northeast talent. Like, we, we just didn't have the budget to really go for flights or split with promotions on anything like that. We did, you know, we did a few times, obviously, the Hero Saber show uh, under fire in January of 16. 
Uh, we worked with Beyond Wrestling and Evolve Wrestling there. But I didn't really have the know-how either to really book travel at that point. I was very uh, just, just not versatile in anything that it takes to be a promoter, especially in that first year. So uh, it was a lot of trial and error, a lot of just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what stuck. But uh, we were just trying to really find our identity. And uh, that was the that was the big you know push throughout year one was trying to figure out not only our identity, but what our fans wanted to see what that crucial, you know, our fan base in Orono wanted to see. And then uh, we had to take the next step from there. And we did in Westbrook in October of 2016. And then that's really what changed. Everything was that big step to Southern Maine. Now, did you, um, did you have any other promoters that sort of took you under their wing? I know that's kind of a cutthroat, but there are some out there that will help someone out that they see trying. Did you have anyone that kind of took you under their wing and said, Hey, this is, not when we started promoting necessarily, like not when Limitless started, it was very much, uh, I was asking a lot of questions to a lot of the guys on our roster, just trying to figure out what we could okay. do better and how we could tighten shit up. Uh, Brian Fury answered a lot of questions for me early on, Anthony Green as well as we really progressed. Um, but, uh, you know, I I worked with IWE a lot and had, had a lot of freedom to kind of see how things ran there when I was, when I was very young and see how it ran for the for the good and the bad but um being you know a ring announcer you do kind of get to see the behind the scenes of how you know just how many problems can pop up on the day of a show and how you fix it and how you navigate through things going wrong and uh that that was really the you know learning experience for me was like that two and a half three years before i started promoting of ring announcing that's us every week yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Scrambling 15 minutes before a show, making sure sound works and it's not working. <laughs> yeah, I know. I I understand that totally. And now it's now it's just a ton of shit that you got to make sure before. We have, we have a very good crew now, and our crew's actually grown because uh, we have students from our our dojo and brewer who come up and help at shows, and they've got you know distinguished jobs that they do. But uh, it, it gets easier as it goes. But it's definitely a hassle to make sure everything's working, everything's going right on the day of the show. Now, who runs your dojo? Uh, so that is Alexander Lee and Aiden Agro primarily are the head trainers, and Eric Greenleaf works with the referees. Uh, we have guest trainers in there as well. Uh, classic, uh, classic Calvin Strange, who is a graduate of the Storm Wrestling Academy. Uh, he's there probably once every two weeks, and Danger Kid's probably there once a month. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's pretty much Aiden Agro, Alexander Lee running the show there. Okay. I didn't realize you guys had that. I knew you. I knew you had Limitless, and you had the. You have another promotion as well, correct? Yes. So we've got uh, kind of a sister promotion to Limitless Wrestling and Let's Wrestle, and that runs out of Orono, Maine. So we're actually running that out of the same building that Limitless Wrestling started in. That's, you should run cool. a ba- you should run a bastard promotion in Montana because we have absolutely nothing out here. Huh. <laughs> Dude, I saw. I remember a couple of years ago, Big Time Wrestling came out there. I believe. Yeah, they did. They did yeah. a tour out here. Was, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 other than that, I've never heard a thing about Montana wrestling. So yeah, funny, because like, it doesn't exist. Monta- <laughs> but like, you have history. This historically we have, has been. If I, if you, if you research um, anything that has to do with the Heart Foundation. Or the Stampede, uh, the the dungeon actually started in Great Falls, Montana. Like Stampede Wrestling oh, actually was a Montana thing. I mean, the the Hart Boys were born in Montana. Um, 
Brett loves to come down to Great Falls. It's one of those things that it just they moved to Calgary and all that went away. I mean, I've I've got family and friends that talk about just hanging out with Stu and, and experiencing it and, you know, having a Dr. Pepper with uh, little Bret Hart and, and shit like that. It's, it's, it's little things like that that have been lost that I don't want to, to be lost. And I think the coolest thing for, for uh, me as a fan, because I'm a mark, dude, when I, I'm just a mark. I, the only way I can watch what exists in professional wrestling almost all the time is through the lens of a camera. So I'm trusting promoters workers production editing to present that product because i can't see it live and right dude i'm i'm so impressed with i i can't i don't want to address the age it pisses me off but seriously man how you're mature you got a good head on your shoulders you you, you know what you're doing and you're surrounding yourself with really good people like Talk a little, little bit about, I mean, you talked about Cassius um, and Zack Sabre Jr., that match. Just talk a little bit about that event and that arena to where you guys are going to be here coming up in September, the first weekend in September. Like, that is a huge step, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that event in January 2016, we had... Uh... I think 260 paid fans, and I was over the moon because that, that was way more than anything we'd ever done. We were just coming off uh, maybe 110 people at our previous show in November of 15, so uh, I was over the moon about that. Uh, I don't remember a ton about that show, to be honest. I had pneumonia horribly and <laughs> had to fucking, like, just, just you know, get it done. So uh, I don't remember a ton about that show other than, like, I, I remember putting it together and all the logistics of it. And it seemed like it seems so crazy because there are so many moving parts to that show. And now uh, we're at the Portland Expo on September 6th, which is uh, a venue that can house 1800. So uh, that's stepping up from the American Legion post 84 and Orno that can hold 299 total. So uh, it's a major step up in, a, in just a few years, but uh, I think it's a testament to, especially the, the roster members, everybody who's, uh, you know, really become core roster members and a part of the Limitless team and has really, uh, with myself, helped push these events and, you know, interact with fans and connect with them. And that's what keeps bringing them back is uh, I get told all the time we really have uh, such a good and, you know, caring roster about, you know, the company and the fan base and uh, creates a really good environment at Limitless shows. So I think that's what keeps people coming back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a little, a little one-word association with because you're, you're you're talking about the talent and and that i think is you're you're right it, the talent that you bring in is fucking solid so i'm going to name a few names and if you can describe these individuals in one name just one word if you can if you can't that's fine too damn well, i know dude. <laughs> uh how about ac baby how about ace romero underrated still i believe i can absolutely um, what about Anthony Green? Hard worker. I know that's two words. I'm not great at this game, but hard worker. <laughs> we are. I we grinder. We, Let's go with grinder. Yeah. <laughs> grinder. What about uh MJF? Jesus, what do I say about Max? <laughs> uh, good at yeah. Twitter. Huh. What did you say? Good at Twitter. 
Yeah, Twitter. That's all you say is Twitter, right? Twitter. Yep. What What about the big man, Josh Briggs? He's the last one. Impressive. I'll, I'll say impressive because uh, I saw Josh. I got to go to a sidebar here. I saw Josh very early on in his career when he was still going by the alias of Mike Honcho. I think it was legitimately his second or third match ever. And uh, he was someone from, from the time I was introduced to him, uh, like at that event, Donovan Dijak and Anthony Green were pushing for him hard to get into limitless wrestling. So uh, when he did end up debuting, I think it was April of 2017, he just had constant impressive performances. So uh, he's been impressive from day one. Cool, man. I, I, pre- it, I know that's hard and I don't do it very often, but what I hope to impress is that, dude, I, I don't, you're the, you're it. Like you're, you're going places. And I, I told, when I told JP, like, dude, we got Randy, he, we're both like, there's not very many, I, I shouldn't probably say this, but there's, we do a lot of these, right. And we get really excited for a lot of individuals. Like this is one of those times in this year and this time frame where we get to talk to a young, brilliant mind that is willing to not only just, um, lace them up um, as a promoter, but also be willing to be dressed down at the same time. Yeah, for sure. How, like, you, dude, you're wearing a lot of hats and going from putting the ring up to ring announcing to now being a promoter of, like, literally uh, one of the top promotions in the United States for professional wrestlers to not only get noticed, but be able to be surrounded by fans that are insatiable. Like, talk a little bit about the fan base in Maine and and what they're like in relation to other places that you've been. Fan base is incredible, and I say it all the time. I, I truly believe that we have the best fan base in the world. We've got the best fans in the world because uh, they're just so pro everything that we do. And uh, one of the coolest things is that, like, uh, I've noticed, especially over the past few years, like, shit happens in independent wrestling, especially today with uh, so many shows as a chance for injury all the time for competitors or a chance for guys to get contracts. And we have, when we have shit pop up, uh, our fans have been the most understanding about, you know, just shit going wrong or, you know, understanding that things happen. Uh, they're just great. And uh, I'm, I'm very, very, it's, it's, it's very special to have a group like this who support this product and support, all the roster members and really everything that we do. And I, I can't thank, you know, our fans enough for that. So we got two minutes before we take a quick break. So I want everybody right now that's listening. Um, so September 6th in Portland, Maine folks, uh, limitless, backslash tickets. You guys can get your tickets. Um, uh, VIP tickets. Correct me if I'm long, Randy. It's $35, which includes early entry into the event at 630 plus a selection at the front row seating. Like you get to kind of pick your seat, right? That's true, but those uh, sold out in one minute, so they're not going to be able to get those, unfortunately. Um, we do have we do have floor tickets. Uh, there's still 50 floor tickets available for $20 a piece, or there's general admission bleacher seats that are $15. So you're, I don't think people will understand the Portland Expo is a, it's a huge, fucking building. Like this yeah, is no- this is where uh, this is where the NBA D League affiliate Maine Red Claws play. So it's a pretty it's a pretty big venue. That's a testament That's- to one, not only you um, and the trust that you 
put in the workers, but also the workers trust in you, man. That's uh, it. How does that feel? I'm very grateful for it because we have uh, a very talented locker room of guys and gals who do, you know, put the trust in me to, I don't know, have them on shows and just use them consistently. And, uh, you know, we've got a very good core roster who takes consistent bookings from us anytime that we have dates set. And, uh, that just helps us because it helps us, you know, really build some cool shit that we can present to our fans and they can enjoy. How about, uh, before we, we got about 30 seconds here, but I'm going to, any, I mean, if somebody wants DVDs, if somebody wants to buy hard copies, if somebody wants to buy t-shirts, all they really got to do is visit limitlesswrestling.com and all that information is there, correct? Yes, it's all on the website. We have a merchandise section. You can find literally everything right under there. Cool. So we're going to take uh, a quick, what is this, a 120-second break, JP? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, just stick around. We got more with Randy. We'll be right back. Two and two. Yeah. What's up, TIW Mafia? We're back. JP here, still with Josh, unfortunately, and his Pittsburgh Steel and stuff. Yeah, we still got Randy Carver with us from Limitless and Let's Wrestle. Randy, what's your card look like for Know Your Enemy? So as of now, he's got four announced matches. Uh, MJF will defend the Limitless Wrestling World Championship against retrosexual Anthony Green, who's the winner of the 2019 Vacation Land Cup. Uh, we've got a hair versus career tag team match. Jeremy Leary and Skyler, collectively known as Sass and Fury, Limitless's power couple. They're going to collide with the Galaxy's Greatest Alien, Chris Statlander, and the real catch, Ashley Vox. Stipulation being, if Jeremy Leary and Skyler lose, Jeremy Leary, the best hair in professional wrestling, self-proclaimed, mind you, uh, he will get his head shaved if they lose. However, uh, if Chris Statlander and Ashley Vox lose, that's it for Chris Statlander and Limitless Wrestling. She will be gone from Limitless. And uh, Jeremy Leary, he mentioned the rumors are swirling that Chris Statland is leaving the uh, the independent wrestling planet soon. So he wants to uh, quicken that up a little bit in Limitless Wrestling and get her out of here. And this, That's his goal, and he can do it on September 6th. Uh, A.R. Fox, the highest flyer in the game, one of my favorite independent wrestlers. He's going one-on-one with Christian Casanova, first time ever. And then uh, a wild tag team match, the New Hart Foundation, Teddy Hart and Davy Boy Smith Jr., colliding with the workhorsemen of J.D. Drake and Anthony Henry. And then we've also announced uh, a ton of other roster members that are going to be appearing on this event. Filthy Tom Lawler, former UFC fighter, will be making his debut Ace Romero, Harlow O'Hara, the wild child Jody Threat coming off a WWE tryout. D.L. Hurst, uh, the Butcher and the Blade of Andy Williams, oh. Kevin Parks, Kevin Blackwood, many more. Man. The Butcher and the Blade, like, I, it, I was watching them, were... not, not realizing that. I don't watch Impact. I haven't seen Peppa Pox in a long time. I was watching Butcher and the Blade, not realizing that was him for a couple of weeks before it clicked. <laughs> I, I can understand that, though, because it's a totally different presentation of what he was yes. doing in Impact. He was Braxton Sutter, I think, in Impact, and just just totally different side of Pepper Parks, and it's a really it's a really cool reinvention of who he is. How, how, but even like his NWA stuff a couple of years ago, when like with the when they did that title tournament back then, it, it's completely different. It's so cool. I love it, and that's such a great tag team. Those the tag are two team dudes. is insane. I would. I'm six seven six. I'm between six seven and six eight, and I'm four hundred pounds. Those two walk down the street. I'm fucking crossing. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Anyways, is a fucking tank. What's it like? So, what WWE just canceled five shows in your area. 
up and around that area. Yeah. What is it like to be able to know that you have the ability to not only capitalize on a huge decision that's uh, one probably going to maybe or maybe not affect their bottom line. They probably don't care. But for you, I mean, that's got to be a plus, right? I don't know. I, I was thinking about that today because someone asked me a similar question. Um, what I usually do uh, every time that they're in town is I, I print up like a thousand small handout posters and I'm there once to fill in with a crew and we pass them out. And that's actually in the past. Uh, we've had numerous times where WWE was running like a week or two ahead of us, like this scenario was set up to be. So uh, I think it actually helped us get the word out Some in some cases. Uh, but uh, on the flip side, I do think that we have a lot of people who we've been able to reach because of this, because it did make like state news. And we had a lot of guys on the social media posts, like just kind of letting everybody know, and not even our guys, like a lot of fans were on there letting people know about our upcoming event. And I do think it got us a lot of traffic because there are so many people posting a poster or the event page or whatever it may be. But uh, I'm also bummed because I was also that kid who, you know, I was, you know, 10 years old when WWE was scheduled to come to town one time. It was going to be my first house show and they canceled. So I, I get that pain for any WWE fans, but uh, I don't know. I do think it helps us uh, with the, with the traffic, at least online. I just, as just, this is just, I don't give my opinion very much on when we do this shit. I usually just ask questions and, and respond, but I really think, and this is just my opinion. And, and I, I really think that, the WWE not doing this is a, it's a huge mistake one, but it's a huge plus for you because you get to maybe grab a, a couple, you know, a handful of fans and they get to come and enjoy. And they're like, wow, this is as good as what we would have seen, but we're up close and we're personal. Yeah. And I hope so, because I, I really do think that the limitless wrestling experience is uh, unlike any other, but I also know that we are not exactly family friendly. So uh, for some of these, for some of the families, like I know in the past, like uh, when a WWE, like when we handed out stuff at WWE shows, I, I'm sure to let people know if they ask that uh, it's, I, I call it like a PG 13 uh, rating if we were to have to rate it at all. But there is quite strong language. And I think even stronger language from the crowd sometimes. I mean, Anthony Green won the vacation land cup, the crowd's chanting AG fuck. So that's the best chance in wrestling. Ever. That's the best chant in wrestling ever. It's just, it's a it wild chant. I can't believe it's a thing. My uh, my mother, who comes to all the shows, she hosts out at the merch table. She was she was blown away that people were chanting "ag fucks" at a wrestler, and it was not derogatory. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But you, so when people ask you that, you can always counter with "no," but I have, I have less wrestle. That is more family oriented. Yeah, except less for wrestle is, is a totally different like direction i would say than limitless wrestling i think limitless is very just wild and crazy and let's wrestle a, a little bit more i don't want to say low key but it's uh it's definitely something that i would suggest hey if you've got a 10 year old kid who likes wrestling you can bring him to this yeah just um, when antoine climbs the ropes get the 10 year old out of the room oh my god <laughs> i couldn't believe that fucking happened <laughs> he, we had him on right after that we were talking about it and he was like man Randy Cavill was pissed at me yeah, <laughs> but he was explaining was the whole situation happy he was okay he was explaining oh, the whole God. situation with the sale and why he yelled fuck it and 
just forgot yeah. to jump oh, out. Oh, yeah, that, that's what I was pissed off about with the fuck it. Yes, he is correct there. <laughs> we, do, we do go over, you know, hey, guys, like, this is a little more family-oriented than Limitless. We are going to fucking lay off the squares. Uh, if anything, let's not hit the hard stuff, you know? And, uh, yeah, I was a little upset about the fuck it. But, no, I was, like, the the press onto the, onto the post, I was just – I was more worried about him because it was a gnarly landing as everybody saw. And uh, he made the most of it though. He really, you know, took, took yeah. a bad experience that happened, learned from it and ran with it. And uh, I'm, I'm happy about that. Now you have, he's been on now he's got sort of moved because that was, I think his first show for you and he's kind of moved up from let's wrestle now. Correct. Yes. So, He's one of a few guys who have actually made the leap, like from Let's Wrestle to Limitless, and uh, it's almost like I don't want to say a developmental territory, but it's really like a creative space. For uh, you know, we only have I would say twelve to fourteen total Limitless events per year, and that's including any festival shows that we do. So we probably do seven major events per year. So uh, we can't work with everybody on those Limitless wrestling events as much as I'd like to. So. Let's Wrestle really provides us an, an open open place where we can kind of mix up some of the Limitless Wrestling talent who's in the Northeast who are available on the dates that we have and mix them with a lot of talent who we've yet to be able to work with because the opportunities or the dates just haven't lined up anything. Anything just gives us more opportunities to work with people. And then because of that, you know, we see a lot more new talent that we'd like to see in Limitless Wrestling. And Antoine was one of the first guys to kind of make that leap. No. I want to go back to the card a little too. What's it like yeah. to be able to book the new Hot Foundation? Yeah, no shit. Very cool because Teddy Hart. I love Teddy Hart. He's <laughs> so fucking cool. He's, and people people give him a bad rap, but like uh, Teddy's just been always great by me, and he's been a part of Limitless Wrestling for over two years now. And uh, he's he's uh, he's the one who set us up in contact with Davy Boy Smith Jr. So. Being able to work that out, they made their debut in May against the Mainstay Posse, and honestly, I think oh. one of the best tag team matches in Limitless Wrestling history. Well, so, when you uh, talk about underrated, like that, what's like that? Main Street, when you talk about underrated outside of New England, Main Street Posse isn't known for some reason, and they're they're one of the better tag teams in this area right now. I agree. I, I think so. the Mainstay Posse are are rocking it uh, as usual. Danger Kid, Aiden Agro, and uh, we unfortunately saw Alexander Lee uh, cut his ties with the main state posse last month of the vacation land cup, but uh, they're, they're really, you know, they're trying to make a name for themselves outside of the Northeast wow. this year. They just debuted for freelance wrestling in Chicago. And I believe they have best wrestling in Florida this November. So uh, hopefully uh, more promoters take notice because uh, I think truly one of the best tag teams in the Northeast. Randy, what's it? You, you mentioned vacation land cup. What's the difference between, um, you know, booking a, a regular show as opposed to uh, a tournament type show like Vacation Land Cup. What's the major difference? So it's a great question because a lot of shit changes. Because um, usually I am just kind of looking at the matches that are you know coming up on a card and putting them together. Of really, what's going to create the best roller coaster for everybody watching this event? But uh, tournament kind of changes that up stylistically because it doesn't give me the freedom to really pick and choose where I want certain matches. Like if I want, you know, uh, one match on the first half, well, we have to do the four opening round matches on the first half of the card. So then the finals, the four way elimination match can be the main event. 
Um, so that's kind of how that changes the limitless card stylistically because uh, it doesn't allow that freedom to move stuff around. So usually you have like how it's gone the past two years where there's four, the four opening round matches are on the first half plus one other match and then it's intermission. And then uh, you come back from intermission and usually the main event will be that four-way final. No. With you growing out of your buildings and, you know, going into an 1,800-seat arena, do you have plans on running shows outside of Maine? Yeah, I mean, it's always something that's in the back of my head. Um, that That's honestly not the main focus, um, to be perfectly honest. But when opportunity arises for us to do it or if we had a lead on a venue, anything of that nature, uh, it is something that we're looking into because – we did a joint event with Blitz Creek Pro in December of last year and actually sold the place out on our you know, first venture really outside of the state of Maine with them in Enfield, Connecticut. So uh, it is something that we definitely want to look into. I'd love to do another event with Blitz Creek Pro, honestly, but uh, nothing in the works as of yet, but it's always something in the back of our heads. And now here's a mark question. Bringing in the new Heart Foundation, when does Flying Brian come in with them? <laughs> Well, uh, I, I think it'll be soon. Uh, I don't believe it'll be September 6th, unfortunately. But uh, Brian's someone that we spoke with in the past, and unfortunately, uh, pretty much every time we've had something pop up, whether it was an injury or just a date confliction. So yeah. uh, it hasn't worked out yet, but I would say definitely soon. I think you'd see flying Brian in Limitless. Because, you know, if the Main Street Posse could get their three together... If they can get, if yeah, they can if make they up, they can all get back on the same page. But I'm not sure if that's going to happen anytime soon. Look at JP trying to fucking book a limitless show. You know, <laughs> I'm just putting it. I'm just trying to get Brian booked up there. Oh fuck, man! I, I think that'd be, but the, I think that three on three would be something fucking phenomenal. It would be nuts for sure. You know, have, dude, have you have you been able to kind of sit back and enjoy this? At this point, are you, or is it still just the grind and uh, grow? Or are you, is this, know your enemy, is this kind of, it's it's not really, I mean, it's stressful as shit, but you're experienced, you're professional, you know what you're doing. Is this just another show, or is it one of those shows that says, this is, this is, this is one or the other? No, this is, uh. I mean, it's not that I'm not enjoying it ever, but uh, this is a lot of work, this one, because uh, we're, I feel like we're back at stage one, our first ever show, and we're trying to not fall on our face. And even though it's tough to believe that when we've, you know, sold over 500 tickets for this event, we've had successful events in the past, but uh, as you, as you continue to, you know, grow and set new goals, you got to smash new ones, you know, you got to keep, you got to keep moving forward and, um, hoping that we can sell over a thousand tickets to this upcoming event. That's the goal, Jesus. truly. Um, and I think we can do that. But right now, you know, until September 6th, that's that's truly the grind of what we're doing right now within the Limitless team is just trying to get the word out there about this event, let people know, and get people through the door. Well, you just said it. Like the, well, you said it earlier. The VIP tickets sold out in a minute. And, you know, there's still tickets available online. There's still, as there, I'm assuming, still floor seats available, just not the front row, correct? Correct, yeah. So, guys, like, if you want to go and you want to be a part of something that is is going to be special, and, yeah, it's in a big building, but it's still going to be more intimate than what you would have got out of a WWE show, 
And you're going to have some great wrestling. I mean, you're going to get to see guys that have been in the, like Harry Smith's been in the WWE. So, you know, Teddy Hart would have been. You're going to see guys that are on that level. Like, there's no reason not to go to that show if you're in the area. Or if you're, you know, anywhere in New England, really. Seven hours away, like some people travel. It's, it's, (laughs) I I guess I want to ask him, JP, I want to ask him the same question I asked Farmer is, and it's a different perspective. Randy, like, when you look at professional wrestling now as opposed to when it was NWA and territories, is there, like, a farm system developing with pro wrestling where you've got an A, a double A, a triple A, and then you've got the big leagues? Uh, I would say so, and I think that's been somewhat developing for years because you can see, like, there's the true independent level of wrestling where you're not signed to a contract, you're grinding, you're trying to be anywhere possible. And then I think you do have that step up where uh, you've got kind of, I don't, I, I'm not disgracing these contracts at all, but you've got that lower tier that's like an MLW or an Evolve Wrestling where it's not necessarily an exclusive deal, but it is a deal where you're, you know, you have to make their dates. You're, you know, they're, they're your number one priority. And then you've got to step up from there, which is, uh, I don't know, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor. Uh, and there, there's multiple there's multiple steps to this one. Before, uh, you were you were either getting signed by the WWE or, or TNA for a while, and that was it. That was all you could get. So uh, things have definitely changed quite a bit, and I think there's a lot more, a lot more options and opportunities for professional wrestlers and professional wrestling fans to uh, be a part of different shows and see different shows. Now, well, you're so young. Have you ever had the like? What made you decide I'm going to ring announce and be a promoter rather than I'm going to be a pro wrestler? Uh, I don't know. I was always a real pretty big kid, so uh, I didn't really have the you know physical ability to okay. cut it as a professional wrestler. But uh, I used to promote backyard wrestling events, so that got my like as as wild as it sounds. I got my feet wet in promoting and actually like putting together shows, even though it's on that such a low level like that but uh i i love like putting together those shows with my friends and you know you you think about and dream about from there oh what if i could actually do this with you know independent wrestlers someday or something of that nature yeah. so uh i really started there but i don't know <laughs> it's been All right. pretty crazy that's it's you're doing awesome and like i said like literally like i know a lot of the new england guys um I've never heard a bad word. Everyone says how smart you are and how you have a mind for wrestling and you're just so young. It's it's incredible watching this grow and to hear your story on like I can't figure out where your mind from wrestling came from. If it came I know when you're ring announcing you're kind of an office job. So like if did you pick it up there or do you think it's just something that you kinda of had that tunnel vision and you just saw the way you see the way wrestling should be? Uh, I, I don't think that it's tunnel vision. I think it's a lot of learning on the fly. And I would just, I tried to get to any shows possible when I was coming up as a ring announcer, whether I was ring announcing or not. Like if I, if I knew someone who maybe was heading to Massachusetts for a show or something, I'd try to hop in the car if I could. Um, but it's, it's just a lot of keeping your ears and eyes open at, at shows and just kind of seeing what goes on and seeing, you know, I was lucky to, be in main wrestling for the fact that I saw how it's not supposed to be done a lot. You know what I mean? I saw some pretty shitty things happen 
Um, but that that kind of prepares you for bad scenarios that could potentially happen to you. Yeah, that's I mean, what thing, I, that's the thing ahead, that Josh. keeps coming up every time with individuals that are successful in this profession. And Randy just said it is like when there's an open seat in a car, you jump in and you go. When there's an open seat in a car that's 10 hours away, you jump in a seat and you go because you don't know what opportunity is going to be afforded you, right? For sure. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I understand now more than ever with, you know, helping run the school. Uh, there's a lot of shit that can pop up in people's lives that is unexpected. And I totally get it. And I understand when people have to step away for a little bit or can't maybe be as dedicated as they'd like to be. But uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I get it, but I don't resonate with it because uh, I feel like pro wrestling has been in my life for uh, at least 10 years now. Uh, well, not, not that long, but in my head, it's been my life for like 10 years. And it's actually been something that I've been doing for, I guess, six or seven. So uh, it's just something that I, I don't know. I, I don't see my life without it anymore. And some people in the business do see their life without it. And I don't know. I don't know how you do. The one thing I know, and you kind of touched on this earlier, like, the things I know about main wrestling is that the the couple of promotions I'm aware of are very old school. There's some gimmicky ones, and you're just different. Yeah, and that's, so, that's kind of been the thing from day one is that we didn't want to we didn't want to do the same thing that was going on in the state for a while. Who's your Who's your go to? Like, if you have. A question, like if you're if you're at one of those spots where like I don't know if I should do this, I don't know if I should, should I do this? Like, who are your go tos? Like when you when you have those questions, like when you, we talk about mentors a lot, because in pro wrestling, mentors are huge. Like, is there is there somebody besides the talent that you work with? That is there somebody else right now that you reach out to and ask for advice as far as what you should or shouldn't do? Uh. I don't know about as much anymore. Uh, a lot of it I, I converse with uh, Danger Kid, Agro, Alexander Lee, Classic, Calvin Strange. We have a we have a five person group chat where uh, if something's going haywire or if we have an opportunity with something, that's usually where I try to get either reassurance or get talked off the ledge or anything of that nature. But uh, Ace Romero, I'd say a lot as well. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough to say because there's a lot of people who just add so much to limitless wrestling and, and help it grow so much. It's, it'd be tough to name everybody because, uh, truly everybody who's come through limitless wrestling has had, you know, had their fingerprints on it, had a, had a mark in it some way, some, somehow. It's amazing that you pay attention to your group text because our group text, I have muted. <laughs> Sometimes I miss it. I'm not the best. I'm, I'm no. definitely not the best at Facebook Messenger. I miss a fucking ton of stuff. How no, busy we'll... are, dude? How busy are you? Like literally, like how busy are you? Um, it depends because it, it comes in waves. It depends on when shows are, and uh, there'll there'll be some like weeks where there's more downtime than others. But uh, it also depends on you know, how big of a crew we have to help at certain times. Uh, like today, I was in Portland. So I've been on the road since 9.30. We've just been postering and trying to get posters out for this show. Uh, obviously, not every day is filled with, like, postering and, and shit to do, but uh, there's, there's always stuff to do. Like, this is just, if, if you're if you're really into this and you, you know, you have a promotion or any, anything you're involved with and you just want it to continue growing, the work really never stops. So, and I don't know. I don't even. I don't even consider it work all the time. Like obviously, like 
the business portion of this does suck sometimes, like majorly, but uh, there's a lot of cool shit involved with wrestling that does not feel like work. So, are you able to are you able to switch hats, man? Are you able to switch hats from like promoter to businessman to whatever you need to do? Is it pretty hard? Is it pretty easy for you to switch that hat around when you have to? I don't think it's necessarily easy because I still I still fuck up a lot. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Not as much as I used to, so that that's a big plus. But uh, it gets it gets easier and easier. But there's always new stuff that's going to pop up that uh, I either haven't encountered yet, or wasn't prepared for, or just you know wasn't expecting. That's 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 the professional wrestling business. Dude, you you hit the nail on the head when you said that you, you fuck up a lot because the only way that anybody learns. Why are you, like, you agreeing with him that he fucks up a lot? Oh, he just because he's he's learning, dude. He's just he's learning. Follow uh, you're, you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Randy, I don't think you fuck up a lot. <laughs> I appreciate it, but uh, it happens. It's sure. A lot of times people don't know about it. It's just me losing my shit for a minute and then fixing it. Are you a perfectionist, dude? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I do love everything to be perfect, but I, I have, I've grasped especially in the past year that not everything that we do is going to be perfect. So I can't, uh, can't like die on that sword every single time, but uh, we do strive to, you know, obviously do the best that we can all the time. And I think that's, that's a common consensus with not only myself and the crew, but the roster as well. Now I have a question. I ask everyone from Philly and I want to revise that for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do it. What's the best place to get it? I asked them about cheese stick. Yeah. What's the yeah. best place of Maine to get lobster? Well, that's a good question. Um, Doc Seafood in Portland is is awesome. Uh, I always recommend the Sea Dog to people as well because they've got uh, a wide variety of not just seafood, but like, I don't know, any food you're looking for, but they've got killer lobster rolls. And I would say Governor's Restaurant as well. People will probably shit on me for that because uh, <laughs> they do that. They do the cheap lobster roll day, and everybody gets fucking wound up when they don't get them. But uh, governors have some killer lobster rolls. That's I, I, I love lobster, and we we do. We ask everyone from Philly about the cheesesteak, but to me, Maine lobster is just just as important. Yeah, I would hit up Docs, or uh, if you're in Central Maine, hit up Doors Lobster and Seafood. I, I, I don't know if anybody's gonna listen to Central Maine, but if you're in Southern Maine, uh, I, I like Docs a lot. Man, that's I think, uh, man, I, I'm I just want to tell you, Randy, on behalf of, of us, man, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. And I, I, there's been a lot of interviews that we've done, like Fergal Devitt originally when he came over here, yeah. JP and Joe interviewed on this first tour over here. So I I'm yeah. <laughs> I told I, I want to tell JP early today. It's like this is one of those interviews where we can go back and look at it and go, wow, like, wow. And man, I, I appreciate everything that you're doing. I appreciate your drive, and I appreciate that when you were sitting in high school, you decided to scrape every goddamn penny you had and chase a dream. Because I wish more kids did it. Yeah, man. Uh, I think uh, I think more kids need to be pushed towards their dreams. Honestly, uh, that's... I think there needs to be more avenues for for people to do that. Because uh, I don't think like if I didn't start announcing that early and had a lot of early opportunities with a company. I don't think that, you know, any of this would have happened. It's just, it's kind of circumstances that all transpired like that. And I, you know, if that didn't happen, I don't know how the fuck I'd get into the wrestling business. How did you get the, the ring announcer job so young? 
Um, so like when we were doing the backyard wrestling events, I'd ring it out in the backyard because it's just like, it's your friends there. You didn't have to take it too serious. Um, and I, I didn't have a bad voice for it. So I just didn't really know how to professionally announce, but I've been watching wrestling all my life. So I fucking know how Howard Finkel does it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, (laughs) uh, we just, I was on ring crew for IWE at that time. And I literally saw a conversation with the ring announcer and the promoter where the ring announcer was saying that he didn't know there was a show the next day and he couldn't make it. And I pussied out in the moment. I didn't fucking ask right then and there because I didn't know if I had like, like a nice like suit and dress up for it. Yeah. So I, nice. I, had, I raced home after that event, made sure I had shit. And then I texted it from I'm like, yo man, you need someone to ring it out tomorrow. I got clothes and I can talk. So, uh, huh. he put me on that show and then, uh, I ring out for them, I think for three years after that. Sydney so basically... Bacabella doesn't give a shit what he wears when he ring announces. Why should you? Oh, well, Sydney Bacabella's on a different level, man. Sydney Bacabella <laughs> yeah, I mean... managed the best against like Danny Hodge and Luke Bez, so he's been around for a while. So yeah, I mean, he's Bacabella's on his beat. Uh, that he, I, we give Sydney a lot of shit, but that dude is like I. He is just insane. Like I, I could listen That's to him all day long. Say that again. Best hair in professional wrestling, in my opinion. Fuck Jeremy Lear. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't talk. I don't know Jeremy. I've seen him. I know who he is. I, I, I really think Sidney has the best head of hair out there. Yeah, I totally agree. His Sidney Bacabella's hair isn't filled with, I don't know, alligator grease or whatever Jeremy Lear's got on his head. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, on, on behalf of Irish Whip, man, I really appreciate you taking the time, man. Of course, man. Thanks for having me on. That's, that's 